Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Last King Podcast. I am, of course, your host, the mighty Shafiq, along with Ruben the Brown Mamba Consensio. <laughs> oh man, I still cracked up. I was trying to keep a straight face the whole time. I couldn't do it, man. Don't Brown bother. Mamba, Don't sir. Are you a Kobe fan, sir? Is that what you're going to try and tell everybody here? Of course. I mean, like, come on. He is Mr. Ellie, right? Mr. Ellie? Yeah. You over magic, sir. No, 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 no. Trust me. Trust me. Magic himself, he, he knows. He knows. Okay, so if you're all uh, getting the hints right now, we're going to be talking about uh, The Last Dance, a sports documentary that popped up on ESPN Netflix. I know it's not within The Last King wheelhouse, but we have to talk about the pop culture. And who isn't more pop culturally relevant than goddamn 90s era Michael Jordan? Sirs, only a Michael Jordan could fight space aliens with Bugs Bunny. Think about it. No that shit don't happen with. anymore. <laughs> and the impact he had not only on the game, but on pop culture, but on just superstardom in itself because I think it would take like a Tiger Woods many years later to maybe close to eclipse what it like what it meant to be a household name I think fans of Last King probably know us more for like film fans and video game fans but every once in a while we'll watch some sports so maybe I'm gonna ask my uh, guest here Ruben uh, so how did you get into the b-ball back in the day how did you get the rock well you know I in, initially I was watching a lot of uh, you know the LA Lakers Showtime right and uh, I don't remember Ooh. much of it. I was really young. But then, of course, along came MJ and the Bulls. And that was just like, you know, crazy. It, when you saw the things that he could do. And then, of course, eventually I kind of dropped off because, you know, in Singapore, there's not much basketball culture here for, for yeah, me. Yeah, it's more football here, actually. Yeah. But then eventually I went to study in the States. And then once you're there, you know, I had mm. a, a buddy, a Jewish guy who, uh, Mike William, right? And he had tickets to shout every, out to Mike yeah 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 <laughs> he, had, he, had he had season passes to every single sports event in LA really season tickets I'm not kidding even like, like so, Clippers so, <laughs> okay just on a small tangent here right one weekend we were supposed to go to a hockey game in the afternoon and a basketball Laker game in the evening right so that's a fully a sport sir yeah so in between we had like three hours we went for a buffet and then we went to a Laker game like completely stuffed after eating for mm. three hours. I'm not even what kidding. Er- yeah. What era is this? This is the Kobe Shaq era. This is this is 08, 09. You saw that shit live, sir. Oh yes. That is the dream for me. I was man. I, I could was never see this live. From I was there in uh, June, Bleachers. July 07, and then I I left in August 08, uh, 10, 2010. Yeah. So so how hot were the tickets? How how close were you to the court? No, I wasn't. I wasn't really close. He he had one like a uh, second tier a bit or third tier a bit up there. It's not like courtside or anything like that. But he okay. had those tickets for years and years. We had also Clipper tickets. So Clipper tickets were much closer, like like within the top end of the first tier, and and we watched a lot of Clipper games. So you know it was good. It was good. I mean, to me, I was happy to just watch any game. You know, it was good. But mostly basketball? Did you also watch like Raiders or any other sports? No, uh, Raiders were not in uh, LA. Um, it was, oh, yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, they were in San Diego. They moved the radio. <laughs> yeah, or Oakland, <laughs> they I the L- remember. And then... Um, there was Oakland Raiders, yeah. Yeah, Oakland. Yeah, they moved to Oakland. And then, but the, 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 the ones we watched, I watched LA Kings, watched Clippers, mm. watched Lakers. Um, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed... Actually, among the games, like purely from a game perspective, I love LA Kings, the hockey games. So fast-paced and you know, there's always a fight, right? Yeah. yeah but it's the only sport that has two minutes for instigating. <laughs> yeah. But prestige-wise, right? I mean, you want to talk about glam, the prestige, the feel. It just feels different. You go to LA Laker game, you feel it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something magical. It's the most Hollywood team and it has the most Hollywood... I mean, dude, their cheerleaders are like 
a whole tier above every. They can else. really dance, really, really good. Like who's really looking good. at the dancing, sir? I'm checking out their asses. <laughs> both, both, man. Laker girls have that legacy, you know. Laker girls give us Paula Abdul, sir. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so back in the day, so oh, so you were there, not say courtside, but you were there. You were there live. I was. And you saw, you saw Shaq. And you saw Kobe. Work. No, no, no. Shaq wasn't there in the team anymore. It was, uh, it was Kobe, Gasol, Odin, ah, the Fisher, after Shaq. Okay, and, okay, 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 okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think by then Shaq had probably. No, yeah. no. Nah, nah, Shaq, Shaq was making a rap about Kobe and Miami. You remember <laughs> that? Yeah. He was starting his rap career, dude. I, I own his first single. Yeah. Do you want me to shoot it? No. no Do you, you want me to hit it? Do you want me to slam? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so. I would say you're an old hit. You were there definitely, and you did pay attention to the legacy games. You are aware of the legacy of the likes of Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, like uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I had a good basketball education thanks to my friend and his uncle. Mm. So they, they, his uncle actually saw Jordan make the shot in against UCLA. Yo, really? He yes. was there. Yes, yes, and Ooh. there's a crazy story behind this, but I don't think I want to share it with the whole world right now. But it, <laughs> no, no, it's insane. But yes, he did see that shot, and he all those years ago he said, you know, this kid's gonna be special. The way he moves, he's graceful, unlike anyone. He walks on water. That's what his uncle told me. He said, he the, said that the, everybody used to call him Black Jesus back in the day. Come on, you never, never ever piss off Black Jesus. Yeah, Remember yeah, Reggie that? Miller. He he learned that real quick. <laughs> I don't know, like for me, how I got into basketball, okay, I was never a sports fan, but it was definitely Michael Jordan that got me interested in basketball. And you also have to understand, like, back in the 90s, like, I was more into skateboarding and video games. To me, like, the greatest athlete of all time was Tony Hawk mm. for a period. But then you also have to understand, like, during the first, uh, the first section of the, th- of the, the double three-peat, the first three-peat, yo, this was, like, Singapore Malaysia Cup era. Like, Fandi Ahmad was the guy. Yeah. Like back in the day, Sundramuti, you know, V Salvaraj. Like we had our own dream team. We had our own like aspirations to go and take down the Greece and Bilan. And then it's like we had that. And then on the side, it was like this NBA thing came up. And then I remembered watching like you know Chicago Bulls. And I was what I would I, I wouldn't I wasn't introduced to it. I just stumbled into it. It was one of those things when you just flip the channel and you saw some basketball. And then I never realized how impactful it was because I would watch something like maybe football slash soccer for all you western guys out there and like soccer was definitely a, a dance of chess of, of chess positioning and definitely placement but like the best like soccer game would probably end with maybe 3-2 2-1 basketball yeah. games basketball games kick good into the three digits sir exactly there was like people were scoring every five minutes and it was definitely Michael Jordan who would not only get me interested because like around that time the hype about the Chicago Bulls because like the pop culture thing even here in Asia we were very much aware of the the impact of a Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls and like you know like when you come here to Singapore it's like you'd be surprised how many Manchester United fans there are you'd be surprised how many Chicago Bulls fans there are and I think maybe it's also the Asian mentality like we always love a winner do, do you remember like back in those days, right? You had Far East Plaza and you had Peninsula Plaza, right? Yo, and, you get the jerseys. The <laughs> remember the hats? Yo, yeah, get the flat rim with the sticker you, still you on it. You need to get that with the sticker. Keep the sticker so people know you bought the real one. 
yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> so that was the thing. I was in primary six, right? And yeah. and these guys were coming. You were a far east kid. Sorry, <laughs> why didn't I see you back in the day? No, no, no. I I wasn't going there. I I I was a geek. I didn't even go to these places. But it's like these guys would come to school with these damn hats oh. on, and then yeah, yeah, they'd yeah. be telling everyone, "Look at mine," you know. Look at my New York Yankees original. Okay? Yeah, black well, with the off white. For them, white. it was all the Bulls. It was all about the Bulls. I'm not mm. even kidding. So it's like one yeah. guy. If one guy got the black one with the red bull, someone had to get the red one with the the white bull or black bull on it. You know, just and, to to say I have the yeah. team, but I got a different one than you did. And then you also had the asshole friend with the the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got the special. He he, he <laughs> so he has the normal regular circulation one, and then yeah. he's got the championship one. Yeah. The limited editions, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think also like wouldn't it be also be strange like a lot of the times, especially back then, like we would model ourselves after basically these these larger than life characters, and I would say it's a, an important thing to mention like when we got into basketball, I think it was safe to say that this was the impressionable years where we were definitely at that point in our lives where we needed role models and people to look up to. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure is like you know it was this it was this uh football wrestling. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, like, you can't avoid sports, especially here in Asia. And I think maybe, I mean, for me, the fascination about basketball was definitely centered around Michael Jordan, and like my major connection was like he felt like an overpowered video game character compared to everybody he played against, and you could see it. It's like sometimes when you, people will show me like, okay, this is Eric Cantona, he's like probably one of the greatest of all time, but you don't really see it because he doesn't have enough opportunities to express it. Whereas when you see like a basketball game and it's every five minutes, every like not even five minutes, every ten seconds they have to make a play, and you just see this guy dance around the opposition. You see this guy just guard against the opposition. You see this guy just dunk from anywhere. And then I think it's like maybe it is that human like innate uh, desire to see somebody do something, be very good at something, and just witness like you know some virtuosic ability. And yeah, it's like I was a Bulls fan, but I think later on I kind of became more of a Sonics fan. Oh. Like Sean Kemp was my guy, like the yeah. Rain Man. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. watching him and Peter, dunk, right? mm, oh that. You know, and I know they didn't win, but it was just something about. I think I was more of a fan of showmanship, and Jordan had that in spades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He you knew how to put on a hell of a show. Yo, and it's like when you like were to check the tapes and you go back in the day and you see like maybe like, even when you mentioned LA with their showtime like when you see Lakers when you see Magic Johnson look left but pass right and people be like how does he do that? Correct. And and <laughs> the know? ball wouldn't be going slow he'd be passing it like really hard. Dude, yeah it rockets like across the field yeah. goes under somebody's legs right? Yo. <laughs> yeah, and the scary thing is the players initially they didn't know what to expect from this young guy, right? And then he said look for the pass and then First time it came, second time it came, they were like, "Holy shit, this guy can really hit us from across the court." So then the next mm. time they were genuinely ready to catch, you know, he'd hit yeah, him, yeah. they get it, and they realize that you know what? As long as we're looking out for magic, he's always looking out for us. So we go make that run, you know, and mm. and just get open, just get open, it will come, you know. I think that that's what makes him an exceptional team captain is because his ability to he plays with his front line. Yes. You know, he's not what you call a selfish player. And he knows like it's not about, you know, looking good, it's about the opportunities. Which is something you can't really say about modern NBA. Something I will get into much later. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> when it comes to modern NBA now, it's like, okay, we, we is I don't see anything but paychecks. Yeah. And I don't see anything but like, you know, uh egos and like Instagram followers now, which mm-hmm. is very strange. But I mean like thank God for this uh, documentary taking us back in the day and it's like 
I think the one thing, one of the key highlights for me was definitely the footage. Seeing that from the archives, from the vaults, seeing them in their prime, seeing them behind the scenes in the locker room just talking shit to each other. And then like confirming the legend like, yo, like Michael Jordan would talk shit. And not only that, he, he backed that shit up, you know. Today, their PR manager would never allow that to get out. They would they lose like 100,000 followers just like that. You know what I mean? Yo, I never heard MJ say the N-word before. He doesn't and to hear to. it, he, he doesn't and, need to. No, but the thing is, in the documentary, you, he, he talks yeah. to, to his friends, and it's like, you hear him drop it. Yeah. And because we are so much uh, acclimatized to the, 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 the be like Mike, the, the, the very friendly, selling you Gatorade, selling you McDonald's, always smiling, and you didn't see the brutality and the competitive edge yeah. that was going on behind the scenes and what was definitely pushing his team to, like, to their limits, right? And it's like, yo, when he and Isaiah Thomas or he and Reggie Miller will go at it... <laughs> And he's like, oh, he's a human being. And not only that, he's going to fuck you up. <laughs> you know, when when I, I, when I was looking at, you know, the footage, right, it really struck me how much he liked to gamble and bet on anything. And I don't mean mm. it from the judgmental, like, oh, he's a gambler kind of angle. I mean, like, nah, he nah, saw he's a co- everything as a way to to be better, to, to assert, you know? And to yeah, measure yeah, yeah. someone, he didn't need to use just a ruler to measure you. He could use beakers and everything. He would he would do all these things that, and, and I think that back in those days, without you know the the scrutiny that you have now, you mm. know the, you know you, you would never like you ha- say some you say something wrong on Twitter and people like get on your ass, right? Like back in the day, people were allowed to kind of be more free with themselves. They did have the public persona and the PR managers, but it wasn't as maybe strict or, or like highly like, you know, surveillance like nowadays. It's a very manicured experience now. Yeah, I know because it's like uh, endorsement deals, uh, investors, all this shit. It's a lot of big money when it comes to personalities nowadays as compared to back in the day. And I would say this also, like I think what I loved about the, the Netflix series, right, was it wasn't just about Jordan. It was about the team. I mean, they gave they dedicated episodes to Scotty Pippen, Dennis Rodman, even Kerr got <laughs> a you bit know, of an episode. You know, Paxson had a lot of time, and I gotta tell you something. Like, obviously, MJ was the man, right, back in those days. But you know, I always was very interested in Paxson and with Kerr because they took these incredible shots. To me, to me, they were incredible because I couldn't make those shots in my life depended on it, right? And they would take these incredible three point shots at really important parts of the game. Yo, they are buzzer beaters. Yeah. Right? Especially Kerr's one, right? Yeah. Yo, and also props to him for getting his shine because like, remember the rally afterwards where they were celebrating the championship and it's like, yep, another opportunity for me to save Michael Jordan's ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think that's what I loved about the documentary too. It's like, they gave everyone their chance to tell their story. But I think what I love also, especially because we, we need to also mention modern technology, is every time they pass the iPad to the player, this is what that other guy just said. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. do you think? And then it's like, especially when you see whoa, when like uh, they pass the iPad to Michael Jordan, and like this is what Isaiah Thomas said. And like his his hot take straight away was like, I'm sure he had a lot of time to speculate and think back on what he's gonna say, but I'm pretty sure he's whatever he says now is not what he meant back then. <laughs> and it's like, oh, the drama is real, son. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that is an authenticity that seems to have been lost today. Um, really? Back then, when you felt the heat, it was mm. real. Not just the Miami heat, uh, the heat, the heat. No, uh. no, the heat. <laughs> yeah, like, you, you could tell that these guys were going at it, you know? 
Oh, you yeah. see, if, even if you say even a little past Jordan's time, you look at Ron Artest or Metal World Peace. Mm. Oh, Metal I mean, World Peace. Yo, yeah. that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah. No, but you know, these guys are hard. These guys, he, he'll, he'll, he'll fuck you up, man. And, and he, he means it, you know? So, so I think that there's a certain degree of authenticity and Jordan, right? Like, you know, when Jordan plays, the way he plays, do you think he's putting on a show or he is playing the way he wants to play? Oh, definitely playing the way he wants to play. Right. That's pure Jordan. He's not That's doing his... this for eyeballs or whatever. No. You know? You can tell. You can tell not only that, but you can tell in the fact that there was also moments like before the game, after the game. And it's like, no, that's what he's like. It's exactly. not an act. He doesn't switch it on. He's always like that. He's always on. He, <laughs> yeah. Okay, just think of it. The stupid, you know, um, um, practice game the US national team had. Yeah. Remember well, that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you could see, he, he wasn't even thinking the cameras were on, right? Come on. He didn't and care. He didn't, didn't say care. what he said. Yeah. All it took was was for Magic to tell him, we're going to blow you out, man. <laughs> I quote, we're going to blow yeah. you out, man. And then, you know. You know. And Jordan be like, okay, okay. And then Jordan I just sticks you. up the tongue. And then, <laughs> here we go. Let's go to work. You know what? I think I also want to bring up one, one other thing about this documentary is like, there's, and I think this is like, Michael Jordan is like low-key a Dragon Ball character. Because not only he's, he can he bring the heat, right? But if you piss him off, yo, he's going to dunk on your ass. He's going to score 60 points that day. He's going to go and super like, cyan all over your candy ass. Yeah, and it's like, it's like imagine if he was pissed off all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like, imagine the legacy he would have left behind. And it, I felt like it, there's a lot of stories, especially amongst like opposing teams. And it, like, even if you go on YouTube right now and you ask people to tell Jordan stories, everybody tells the story, you don't piss off Black Jesus. Do not annoy him. If he says hi to you or if you bump to him the day before having dinner, don't be rude because <laughs> he'll remember that shit and he brings it. No, in fact, not there was some guy who wasn't even rude. He, he just said something, you know, just kind of <laughs> nodded. He was a little too cordial for MJ's liking and MJ just a said, bit too curt. Yeah. this guy thinks I'm not a threat. Bro, you know, who the hell thinks this way, right? MJ. <laughs> MJ thinks this way. Oh, he shook my yeah. hand. He must think I'm a pussy. Well, I'm going to whoop his ass tomorrow. 80 points. Drop that fucker. You know? <laughs> I think, like, do you think that's what the one, of the th- one of the things that's missing now in modern basketball? That level of uh, intense competition? Because, I mean, you cannot say that the alpha male dominance has ever left sports because that is always there. But I don't think, like, especially nowadays when we look at modern NBA, right, it really feels to me like people are afraid to get hurt as compared to back in the day because like when you see the footage back in the day especially whenever they show those like Bulls versus like Detroit right when you see them fight against the Pistons and it's nothing but elbows and people's fingernails and eyeballs right that's war it's It's war Um, yeah but I'll say okay here's my hot take on this I don't think it's become less competitive I think it is as competitive nobody is here to not be competitive I want to get that out the way first what I do think is that the game of basketball which is man on man has now become more like golf, man versus hoop. Oh, yeah. Because I you, think you they see also make I'm a going point. With? They made it more of a three-point game than like uh, like going hard in the paint. Right. Okay, because very simply, right? Like if you play golf, I can't kick your ball away, right? Mm. I can't tap you. I can't like say, like, you know, just as you're about to take the shot, I go, good luck. You know, I can't do shit like that. They'll tell you, <laughs> hey, quiet, you know? You can't block a golf shot. <laughs> yeah. And in the past, you know, interference is part of the game. You try to stop the guy. 
You now, slap the ball out of his hands. Yeah, yeah, and and not just slap it. You slap it in a way that sends him a message. Not in my house, right? Mm. But now, um, what I tend to see is, hell, if you can make the shot, you get it, and I'm going to make the shot, and I'm going to get it, and we'll see who fucks up first. Yeah, it's a game of numbers. Uh. I would agree with that like, because I think maybe when it comes to strategy, when it comes to efficiency, like if you can win a game with just three pointers, why not? Because you get one point extra over the dunk, and the dunk is like less of a, uh, I would say. Like a liability because people don't get hurt. You don't yeah. have to work as hard, and basically, like you have less of a court to work with. You don't need to actually run all the way to underneath the rim. Yeah, and I think maybe it is an evolution of the sport, and it's also possibly like the new guys. I think they're developed that way because I think even street hoops. Because I can't really speak on behalf of what's going on in the playgrounds in America. But I, it really feels to me that nobody plays the hard game anymore, and I think. It is a sign of the times because it's like even if you look at like modern football, like it's also changed. It's like it's not the same kind of rough and tumble game. Like you'll never get a Vinnie Jones to. <laughs> there's no Vinnie Jones for this era. Like he's a relic of the past for a reason, and people got hurt back in the day. And like when you look at fucking football and like like you just tap them and they fall down like they got like taken out by a sniper. Right? It's like, eh. So well, because I don't it's, know. it's simple, right? It comes down to money. Right, mm. every player is an asset. Right, so when your assets start damaging each other, then I think you are going to risk the whole sport. So it becomes this almost like medieval chivalry kind of thing, where knights don't kill knights. You can kill pawns, but knights are traded, are ransomed. So, mm. so what I think is evolving in terms of the sport right now is. People are saying, "Okay, let's not hurt each other, right? Let's just be professional about this. I'm going to make my shot, you're going to make your shot, and then we'll see who can be consistent and good." So now you take two things out of the equation. Number one, there's no more size game advantage really because you know the the the, the chances of getting a mega huge guy that cannot be beat like a Shack, right? Yeah, he's eliminated. He's out of the game. So there's there's no need to pay a premium for a Shack, right? Mm. So yeah, there's a lack of big bodies now. You don't need that, right? So now you just need shooters and shooters. Look, if if you get a shooter that's injured, you can just get another shooter, right? If you got a shack out, damn, your paint is done. So I think from a business perspective, it's it's uh, it's an evolution because it's lower risk, higher return, more longevity, and you can easily replace your workforce, right? Yeah. I think like on that point that you made, right? I think and also something that was brought up in the documentary, right? I want to talk about Scottie Pippen for a second. Sure. One of the hardest working basketball players of all time. One of the greatest number twos of all time. Even Michael Jordan says like he wouldn't have been as great as he was if he didn't know Scottie Pippen was right there next to him. And then you see the numbers, you see the salary, and then you think to yourself like, this has got to be the biggest, the most embarrassing thing the NBA has ever revealed to the world that they they lowballed this this guy. And not only that, like even the Bulls themselves is like you look back at the legacy and there's this taint of like, like how could you do that to him? And like even when MJ decided to retire or he's like probably had to take the like a sick day or he had to like you know probably we had to, like he, he had to step up for a second and then you see Scotty rise to the occasion. Not only that, he was the vice captain. It's like he commanded the same level of respect and the same amount of dominance and the same, I would say, forward momentum as a Michael Jordan. 
and it's like when you look at the business then and look at the business now and like you want to compare like Scotty Millen probably got signed with like a 10 million dollar contract for an entire career and then like you see kids coming out of college who barely have any experience in the NBA getting signed to 90 100 million dollar contracts on top of that they already have the endorsement deals they already have all these other uh, I don't know these other 360 deals right? like what is your thought process when you think about like how it does money ruin sports? I, I I feel that okay. The reason why we feel Scotty got a raw deal is because we're comparing him to Michael Jordan, the greatest, all one time. of the greatest players of all time, and one of the best compensated players of all time. Let's agree with that, right? That he earned it. Yeah, he, I, I'm not even arguing about. It. Look at how much he earned. So mm-hmm. anyone's contract would look small next to Jordan's. True. That's but, yeah, one. I, I would also say like, but let's not compare to Jordan. Let's compare him to maybe a Rodman. Right. Let's compare him to maybe like, you know, he was probably getting the same paycheck as like an Armstrong, but he was doing way more. Well, you know, the first rule of negotiation is be prepared to walk away from the table. And Scotty Scotty was actually very appreciative to have a place at the table. And he agreed to a longer contract than any... Like modern players now with their agents and negotiators and my handlers, they, they would not they would be prepared to just walk. They say fine, then trade me, you know? The final team, yeah. You look, Harden wasn't getting the contract he wanted at OKC. Then he moved he, he went to the Rockets and now you he's the man. This right? makes this makes a lot of sense also because when we have the Scotty Pippen episode and you see his background and he's like the he's the eleventh of twelve children or That's he right. came he he grew up country. And I think if you present to him anything with six zeros, that would be like, that's more money than I can see in my life. And I can take care of everyone in the family. That, and then, that's the thing, you know, um, there's a saying, right? You're a baller, right? It, it yeah. doesn't just mean you're basketball. It means that you take care of your own, right? And, yeah. and Arkansas is one of the poorest states in the US. You need to take that context as well. So, Which is also, yeah, I mean, I agree. So I mean, you he, he was coming from there and he was saying, I'm going to get this and I take care of my family. And and remember, in those days, the game was hard. You could get hurt. And if you get hurt without a contract, you're out of the league. Mm. You need to remember that context as well. And he has seen what happens to those who came before. I mean, in one part of the documentary, remember Jordan came in and he said, you know, the, the seniors were a bunch of guys snorting coke and getting drunk <laughs> and wasting their careers. Sir, come on. You know what I mean, right? And, and, yeah, yeah. and then... Scotty obviously must have seen some of this stuff too. He was young, and, you know, he was around the right time to see all this stuff. So obviously he said, you know what? I'm going to do right by my family. They've taken care of what 11, 12 of us and I have a chance now to take care of them. I don't need to be crazy baller rich. I could be just rich enough to take care of everyone. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they put their faith in me. They drafted me and I'm playing with probably the best player on the planet. What else is there not to like? So he did. Yeah. Yeah, but was he the best player on the planet then? <laughs> MJ when he signed. Not when he signed. He didn't know. Nobody knew yet. It wasn't even the first three feet yet. Well, on the way up. But I think I know what I mean. I know what he mean that when he looked at the situation, he thought to himself that he could do well. He didn't squander it. Like he was, I would say, a sensible. He feels to me like a sensible rapper. Mm. Like he doesn't mm. talk about jewelry. He doesn't talk about cars. He's just like, I take care of my family. I I, I give back to the hood. It's like. But even then, right, shouldn't the Bulls or shouldn't management or shouldn't somebody have been like, yo, Scotty, we're going to reward you. We're going to up your contract. We're going to make, you know, we're going to make things work for you. 
like they had to actually put him through the whole rigmarole of like, nah, you signed it, this is the deal you made, and you got to put in whatever amount of work." I'll tell you what unf- management think, thinking. Okay, so they are yeah. thinking. I locked him down for three mil on a five year, whatever six year deal, right? And they are saying now we have additional cap space, additional sal- salary space, so yeah. we can go get a Rotman. So we spend the money on Rotman, and we strengthen the team. We go for that, you know. Or, or I mean, in, in those days it was uh. What's his name? Horace Grant, you know? They go for guys yeah. like that. Because those guys will walk from the table, right? We'll, we'll bump MJ's contract up so he doesn't look anywhere else. They'll do all that because Scotty's willing to stay. It's very simple. If Scotty was seriously going to leave and willing to play hardball, I don't think that he would have got such a shitty contract. But then, maybe they won't have such a good team. True that. You think that would have made a difference, like if he got his, his got his pay, or if he well, walked? let's put it in context, right? So you got a young MJ, who should mm. be very successful. They could see he was good. That, that's not bullshit. They, he, yeah, maybe not the best player on the planet, but yeah. heir apparent, he was. He was the anointed one that the league knew it. Stern knew it, right? And then you have Scotty Pippen coming in, really good second guy. You got Grant, another good young guy in there. Right, they make the trade for Cart, right? So they're filling out positions really well. Paxson could take a good shot, right? So nice team, hadn't won shit yet. Remember that, True. didn't win anything yet. So, but then if you see the stats, right? You see like Jordan scored sixty that game, but they still didn't win. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, you know what Jordan and yet. I mean, all these guys are like to me, Scotty Pippen, all that. It's like you know, do you remember uh, the first Avengers film? Like you had, you know. Obviously, Robert Downey Jr. getting a really nice contract. So he's MJ, right? Yeah. What did Chris Evans get? Shit. No, what did what did Chris Hemsworth get? Chris Hemsworth got like oh, it was it was dog shit. It was like two hundred k, hundred k, something like that. Dog shit. All right. Are you say are you saying Chris Evans is the Scotty Pippen of the Avengers? <laughs> Why not? He he did carry the franchise as well. Yeah, I agree. He got his he got his trilogy. He he became the Captain America. I'm serious. He improved as an actor He's tremendously. Look at him in Winter Soldier versus First Avenger. It's a night and day. Dude, he was a fantastic actor before that. Like if you saw Sunrise with Danny Boyle, like that that he is actually a guy who had who had way better things to do, but he had to do the the Marvel thing because you know you need to take care of the family. Yeah, you need to take, take care, care of you business. Right? The man, you need to get the the mansion doesn't run itself. <laughs> right. So I'm just saying, yeah. like in in a, a lot of uh, films, right. When it's your first one, you you take shit you take pay. Take the deal. Like take Wonder the Woman, deal. Uh, Gal Gadot, she didn't get fantastic pay on the first one. The only yep. person who got fantastic pay on the first was who? Uh, what's her name? Brie, Brie Larson, right? For for Captain Marvel. Oh man, that's garbage. <laughs> yeah, and she got signed for what? Six film deal? Something like that? Nobody gets that. Everyone else is a one plus one, right? It's a one plus an option. Yeah, right? everybody pays per game. They don't get the the base salary. Yeah, no, even Cumberbatch, he didn't get the the ten twenty mil deal. No, 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 he didn't get that. No, but he got his name out. I think like this is the strange like this is the 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 A tiers the A tier list Hollywood way of saying doing it for exposure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's you're gonna try and you know we're gonna give you some exposure. You know, Dude, like if it wasn't for like uh fucking Doctor Strange, Cumberbatch would not be hot in China. Mm. Mm-hmm. Once China I, saw what he saw, this guy and they're like, okay, this guy looks kind of badass. He and especially with the mustache and then the cape, he looks like some old mystic kung fu warrior. He's like, yeah, I can buy this. Exactly. So so I'm so going back to actually the 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 contracts with Pippin and all that, right? Mm. I I think that you need to realize that these kids hadn't won 
anything. And they lost, if I'm not mistaken, two finals to the uh, Pistons. Yeah, right? They won the come up. Yeah, they won the yeah. So knocking on heaven's door and getting into heaven ain't the same thing. And the NBA mm. rewards you for actually getting the thing. True that. I agree. And I think like it made sense too because... I think it's also a lesson to the young guys out there and this is probably one of the things that plagues the NBA nowadays when you know I think that's why the contracts got so bloated and so ridiculous when like you know you're offering college kids like 190 like they've done their research nobody ever wants to pull a sector like a Scotty Pippen nobody wants to be underpaid for working hard ever again and you know what I think you know props to whoever has decided to like okay go get your money get get that money okay come on your own and I think I would say it is a lesson that we can look at back on, but I also kind of, I think maybe the, the heartwarming thing is right at the back at the end of the day, realizing that Scotty Pippen. There were moments, especially especially that legendary moment where like you know he was cast out like like oh he quit the team you quit or not Scotty, and then like you realize like he is still that that boy from the country with the straw in his hair like thinking no no no. I, I can't disappoint my friends ever again. I can't disappoint my family ever again. I he he had solid values and he knew he fucked up. He knew it. You yeah. know. And I would say like he especially when you see when they interview him now and he thinks like yeah I made a mistake and I think that's also probably one of the most important things. You have the goat. You have Michael Jordan who is just cemented in his like legacy and his like no nah, no nah, I'm untouchable. This is the throne. Come get me. And then you have like his the yin to his yang. You have Scotty Pippen, who is definitely the heart of the team, being like you know sometimes you just gotta. There's nothing better or more satisfying than just putting in good honest work. Yeah, and he, then he, you have the Rodman. <laughs> Rodman. Yeah, but you know Rodman doesn't get enough credit sometimes, and I am guilty of this as well. I did a bit more you know research into Rodman and the kind of where he came one, from. One of the best defensive really guys of all time. Yeah. yeah. He is a guy who was struff- he is struggling with mental deficiency. I mean, he definitely had he he was bipolar, mm. and I think to me, like what attracted me to the Bulls was also the Dennis Rodman, <laughs> because there's something about like the guy with the green hair with the tattoos and the piercings that just spoke to me. Because me as a young like guy in my early teens, right, I was the outsider, and there's something about like the way Dennis Rodman stood out, and it didn't feel like he was trying to get attention. It just felt like he was truly expressing his individuality. Like you can tell, like real recognize real. Like you can tell when somebody's posing and somebody's flexing just to get attention, and then you can tell like, no, 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 he's like that. That's his personality. And yo, like even like those Rodman stories where like Michael Jordan had to fly all the way to Vegas. Yeah. Like Carmen Electra was like butt naked hiding behind the sofa because MJ was knocking on the door. Rodman, we gotta go to practice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, and man, you, you know, did, like I was reading about how Rodman when he started, he was this shy. Introverted kind of guy, mm. and how and he was—you'd be surprised, yeah, yeah. You know, he was scrapping by and trying to get in the league, get on a team, and so on. And I kind of understand why he ended up the way he did. You know, with the color, the hair, and everything. Yeah. It's all the things that he couldn't have and couldn't be when he was young. Yep, it's. I would say it's. It's not like the Michael Jackson problem where you're overcompensating for right, a lost childhood. Right. It's not that. Not it's that, basically. Huh? He is finally. He was definitely struggling with his identity and struggling with his self worth. And then, like to a lot of people, especially back in the nineties, right? You have to understand, right? Nowadays, when you look at a guy with a tattoo, it's like okay, it's a guy with a tattoo. 
it was so taboo, you know, yeah. back in the nineties to have piercings, to have tattoos. That it was considered, like, like we just mentioned Far East Plaza. Like you would go there to get your first barbed wire. You go there to get your first tongue piercing, right? Piercing, whatever. And like, yeah. And then people would look at you different. Yeah. And then people would think of you as like, okay, you're on that side of the tracks, or yeah. you have like, or you're a damaged individual, or mm. you have the the bad family background, or you've made your first real big decision on your own. That's another way. Exactly. Honestly, and, th- and that's where where I was coming from. Like looking at Dennis Rodman, and I thought to myself, like. This guy is expressing what it is that truly means something to him. That this is an expression of his soul, and it's like, and everybody talked shit about Dennis Rodman. Everybody hyped up the gimmicks. Everybody was talking more about him dating Carmen Electra, him banging Madonna. Okay, but it like, dude, probably one of the worst movies that I love is Double Team. Oh, <laughs> with him and Vendetta. I had that. I had that. <laughs> He's brilliant. <And> it's, <laughs> Yo, he kicked the tiger, son. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and I think like Van, D- like to me, he was a better actor than Van Damme. I'm just gonna say it right now. I think he's a better actor than Michael Jordan, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't buy him talking to Bugs Bunny. I'm sorry, your eyeline is not correct. You know, Bugs Bunny is not that tall. Yeah, what yeah, are yeah. you looking at? But you see, like you know, Rodman commit to the role, commit, and the thing, that thing, that's what I love about him is that he was an artist. He was definitely somebody with a creative soul. But when I saw the, the doc, and then you see the behind the scenes, right? And then you see like, yo, he's one of the hardest working guys there. Not only that, it's like they will cut to him and you see footage of him just like watching tapes, watching other guys, like figuring out, like he was making his like his his, his, his kill list of like, okay, if I face this guy, this is what I do. Or if I face this guy, okay, he, he leans more to left hand. Okay, I need to block him from this angle. And then like, he has a solid work ethic. And not only that, like not only does he put in the work, is he's also... A fantastic athlete because like when you mentioned when I mentioned the Las Vegas story and it's like we ain't gonna get Rodman back to training okay fine they put him back into training and then they do what you call the the, the fireman run where yeah. you have to chase the lead guy yeah and then when Dennis Rodman was in the front he outpaced everyone and this is after probably one of the biggest benders of all time yeah. he was probably hung over to fuck with all like all the fun he had in Las Vegas he brought that shit to training camp yeah and he could still run laps around the rest of the team yeah he's like Yo, like low key, and I also especially love the fact is like, I think, and this is definitely something I will touch on later, and it's something I, I'm I'm sure you would enjoy is when we discuss Phil Jackson. Yeah. Like when Phil Jackson was like, you know, when when people were saying like, oh man, you have to control Rodman, you have to definitely, you have to put him in his place, and then it's like I don't know who told him it's like, you don't put a saddle on a Mustang. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he knew how to work his team. He knew their individual strengths and personalities, and he catered to them. And I think it was definitely like, yo, we have to talk about Phil Jackson because it's like when you talk about one of the greatest basketball teams of all time, everybody talks about the greatest player. But his team, like, yo. Greatest also, coach of all time, you know, right? He beat Red Auerbach's record. Yes, son. That's, it's like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, by the way, Red's record was made in a time where things weren't so organized, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, teams were not so big as well. In size, yeah. physical size. It wasn't size. franchises yet. Yeah. yeah. The defense was wasn't me- so organized. You didn't have that much tape to watch. Because Phil Jackson was new commissioner era. New commissioner era was all about dollars. It's all about spending tickets. It's about merchandising. It's about like there's so many things you had to juggle. And Phil Jackson was the Zen, the Zen yeah. Buddha practitioner yeah. in the middle of it all, t- telling everybody control your breathing. <laughs> Doing twelve titles across two different teams. You know. Like, Red did it with one team, right? Which means, like, in a way that, you know, once you imprint your DNA somewhere, then that's that. 
but if you have to do it over two different organizations take note different management different environment different city different players yeah yeah so that's gonna be really tough I'll say this it's really tough to acclimatize I would say also this right Phil Jackson to me is I would he is the blueprint because he's like he is definitely the counter to the Pat Riley Pat Riley was definitely a statistics and numbers guys and he would play people he would wait for somebody to sweat before he took him off and put him on the bench whereas like you know Phil Jackson was a little bit more in tune with the emotive states of his players like if he saw a guy tire if he saw a guy like like if, if a guy needed to spend more time on the bench or more time working like he knew exactly when to pull and pull out but I think what's the one thing that we have to talk about is the triangle yeah, <laughs> tax winter. Yo, that you can't, the trigonometry you can't run from that, right? of that shit. <laughs> when you look at that, when you look at it, and you see just like the the beauty in its simplicity, and I think that it really reflects on the character of Phil Jackson because he is definitely Mister Zen Master, Mister. It's all about balance. It's all about you know, you know, ebb and flow. Well, and I, how to to me, I think Phil has the wisdom. The wisdom first. Okay, we'll talk about wisdom first because earlier point you raised something. I wanted to talk about it, but I'm just gonna bring it back in now. You talk about how he didn't interfere with Rodman, right? Let me tell you about another great coach, Sir Alex Ferguson, Manchester United. He had a crazy player called Eric Cantona. Mm-hmm. Okay, and everyone was saying, you know, how is Ferguson gonna control him? Blah blah blah. Same thing. He said, you 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 don't control men like this. Just don't talk to him. He even told the press, I I think you should stay away from him. Eric Cantona, he understood. These guys are professionals. They will turn up. They will be fit. They will be ready because they have such high exacting standards of their own. They don't need you to tell them where the bar is. Bingo. They don't need you to tell them that. This is management 101. 101. You need to know the kind of player you got. If you got a player that is, you know, like maybe a Scotty Pippen, then you say, you know, I want more laps, blah, blah, blah. But if you got a guy like Rodman who will put in the work, by the way, he came back from that bender like a maniac because he missed the game. Right, and he was gonna show. Just cause I went to Vegas doesn't mean that you guys can slack off. I'm gonna make you guys suffer like I'm suffering, but I'm gonna do it with a smile. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? It's a sadistic kind of thing, but you can kind of connect with it. You understand? He's a pro. He's a number one guy. He doesn't want to be number two, number three. So if he if wants Michael to be- Jordan allowed you to be you, that meant you were special. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, when you see the documentary, he would chastise everybody else on the team. He would push everybody except Rodman. Yeah, no pushing. Like, like he looked at Rodman, he's like he knew what he was all about, and he knew exactly his purpose. It's like he would he would punch Steve Kerr. He would definitely yeah. go hard on all the other guys. He and you see the way he cuts out his own teammates, right? Didn't say shit to Rodman. Mm-hmm. All he, even even the, like remember the apology story mm-hmm. when Rodman fucked up. The and cigar. It's basically the cigar story. Like you know, I'm just gonna have I'm just gonna go smoke a cigar with you in the hotel room. And I think it's also something in like the way the dynamics of the team and like they just understood each other so perfectly. Where that was an apology. They both understood what it meant. They never had to say it. Yeah, and I love how yeah. they did in the documentary. They talked to both of them and they both said the same thing. And they didn't rehearse this shit because you know, you know what they yeah, did, yeah, they did yeah. the iPad thing, right? Yeah. And the instant reaction was, look, he knew what it was. I knew what it was. There's nothing left to be said about it. We got on with it. And I was like, wow, that's that's awesome. That's that's when you know you got team chemistry, team respect, mm. you know? And Phil, Phil, again, wisdom, right? We talk about wisdom. He was wise enough to do that. So just want to edge in on Phil's coaching on this point, right? So I was lucky enough to actually watch Phil 
during the Laker games, right? I, I couldn't watch him in, you know, Chicago games because they would just show you what's on the court. They, and then, you know, when they cut, they'll give the, the generic, okay, guys, we're going to get the ball to Michael and then we're going to win. All right, go, mm. one, two, three, go Bulls, you know, something like that. You, they yeah. give you the rah-rah. They like that shit, right? But you're never going to hear the real team talk. All right? Yes, the real he, team talk. Here's the thing that you need to realize. Do you know what happens whenever they call timeout? Phil doesn't say shit. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. I was right there. I can see him. He's just going there saying, you're in, you're out, more spacing, less spacing, dominate the paint, that kind of shit, right? Mm-hmm. Who's doing the talking? Byron Scott. Jordan or whatever. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, for Lakers, you know, it's, oh, yeah, it's guys yeah, like right. Scott, Tex, they are doing the X and O's. But even then, very little X and O's. Do you know why? All that shit was done in training. Mm, so this just- is where Phil and me, we got similarity here in the way. Oh, wait, because you're, when I <laughs> you're coach, basketball coach? Foot for, for CS, I also yes, believe okay, in the same Let's remind our Last King fans your CS background. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I, I coach <laughs> uh, Counter Strike before. So we're talking to a I pro Counter Strike player. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I always agreed with the coaches on was that you do not try and teach a new tactic mid game. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. You, you are prepared or you're not prepared. It, it's that simple. And if you, you want to talk about X and O's, you should have done that during tra- You had a whole week, month, whatever to prepare for this. Mm. It's not like you just found out, oh, today we're going to play the Pistons. Come on. You knew. So you exactly. plan your training for that. So Phil, if you look at him, he in his, from what I see, he understands that there's no point changing up very big things. Just small things. Adjustments. Micromanagement. Just little stuff. It's, you know? it's the like, meta. Like he, he may go up to a guy, he'll call the stats guy, tell tell, uh, tell Gasol, do you know it's the third time the guy has passed you on your right? That kind of thing. And then he doesn't say shit. He doesn't say anything else. The whole timeout is like 20 seconds or whatever. He talks for three. The rest of it is for the players to get their head in the game, to think about the next move. He shouldn't be talking. They need to be thinking. And that's the Zen master. You know what? I would also want to add to that is like whenever you see the footage and whenever they cut to him, like especially when they win the game or they score, and he doesn't budge, he doesn't react, he's just like he, he is so focused on the goal and what it is he needs to achieve. Like he doesn't even smile till after in the locker room. Cause he you know, saw like, you know why? He, he saw it. He saw the outcome. He wasn't surprised. He no, knew that was going to happen. He saw it, right? I, I'm serious. Yo. I really believe that this guy... So, you know, you, you must think of his mysticism and his, you know, meditation. His third eye and everything. What yeah. do you think goes on in the head? I mean, you've seen the movie Inception, right? They say that actually yeah. time is much faster in the head, right? Yo, He's probably yeah. played the scenario out a hundred times. Yeah, I think like it's like the Matrix. He sees a totally different reality where whatever is happening has already happened, and whatever's going to happen is happened before. And it's like, yeah, he, it's a very it, Doctor like, Strange moment, right? Yeah, it's like he's definitely in this like in this multiverse where he's witnessing all the possibilities, and he just chooses the best one. Yeah, for his team. Yeah, and I think or, like, or, or probabilistically, right? You can never be sure. Sport and shit happens, right? Yeah, like remember the one where Ellie got creamed in the final, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, you do the best you can, but sometimes you gotta eat a four roll, right? Mm. And and here's the thing about Jackson and what what the documentary made it really interesting was how he managed his team of very different people. They were all so unique. 
I think that's what made them interesting too because there was a dynamism that doesn't quite exist in other teams or even teams to this day. Yeah. Like you have the few superstars but I think the closest one would definitely be like Shaq and Kobe like two very distinct personalities working toward, together towards a common goal. Yeah. That made a lot of sense. Whereas like back in the days like when you saw like the, Chicago, the, the 90s Chicago Bulls yeah. and you definitely had like it was definitely the Beatles. This is the George Harrison. This is the like the Paul. That's Ringo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you saw and they, they all I think I know it's a cheesy word to say it, but the synergy was real. Oh yeah, like they didn't work to they didn't complement each other more so that they worked well off each other. Like you didn't they didn't need to adapt to each other's personalities. They just had to be the best version of themselves, and that was more than enough. You know, this is exactly one one thing that I I always felt was very unjust towards Scottie Pippen. People always like to hammer him with this thing. They would say Scottie never won without Jordan. No. Jordan okay. always won with Scotty. That's but, what I would but say. But I flip it and say, well, Jordan didn't win without Scotty either. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of people forget that fact very conveniently. Like, MJ had, what, four, five seasons maybe to be the man, you know, to be the Harden. And you, one thing that has proven the same back then and now is that being the one guy, you're not going to win. Even Kobe got yeah. it. He knew that you need a team and, you know, like, yes, it's true that that scoring wins you games, defense wins you championships and you can't be everywhere. You need five. Yeah. And that's what I love about the documentary when they show that Jordan having this this moment where he suddenly realizes I need five of me, something like yeah. that. And then he goes, I'm going to make my players better. I also want to say like I also like the fact that there was also that moment where Jordan realized like once he could trust his team they were unstoppable oh my god yeah Paxson when he, it was Paxson right yeah when he realized like I don't need to do all the work I'm actually surrounded with some of the hardest guys in the game and the thing is like you know, their, their, their strength is also the fact that you get better through osmosis if you play tr- if you train against the greatest player of all time you get better fast oh yeah and, and he's I mean? pushing, by the way, as well. On top yeah, of that, right? And yeah, he's not. They're not just rubbing off the talent. No, no, no. He is like you know, spoon feeding you. Like, okay, you, you gotta work. You gotta do this. This is how you beat me. You beat me. You beat everybody. And like, yo, it's like especially like the, the Steve Kerr moment where it's like you can see him like, yo, Jordan. At that moment, at this, at, when this happens, I'll be ready. I'll yep. be ready. Jordan just looks at him. He doesn't say, okay, I got you. He just looks at him. He's like, "All right, yeah." <laughs> he, that's all he needs like, to know. That it's just trust. He's, he yeah. just knew that at that point of time, like, okay, Steve says he's gonna be when he's open, he's ready, and that's the game-winning shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like the Bulls had the greatest player of all time. Nineties Bulls, I would say, greatest team of all time because the components. You had to look. You had the best number two. You had one of the best defensive players all time. And the coach, the man who brought it all together, who could also like put in all the extra pieces. But we should also talk about their manager, Mr. Jerry Cross. Yeah. You did you did say that defense wins championships, but I think Jerry Cross mentioned that it's not players and coaches alone that win championships. It's organizations. <laughs> I like how you quoted him correctly. <laughs> you, you know, alone. Alone. Yeah. I like No, because they, you know, you know, he was misquoted. They left it out. But yeah. You, you're right. Uh, I think that to a degree, he, he has a point, right? Because yep. um, you, you could have... Again, the Bulls had the best player of all time and they still didn't win. 
the Cavs mm-hmm. had LeBron, best player of his generation for a long time, couldn't win. Yep. And it needed organizational change. And Kraus was not afraid to cut sacred cows. Like he he was. I mean, you know, if you look at him when he first went to the Bulls, he yeah. cut a lot of people. His he, old business. Yeah. He. I'm sure he didn't make friends doing it. And and eventually he even replaced the coach with the guy that he really wanted. You know, mm. he hired the replacement for the coach, what, two years in advance? Right? So, Kraus has had a track record of not being afraid to break the eggs to make the omelette. He's after the omelette. And not one omelette, multiple omelettes, right? Mm. So, so he has always had that about him. Right? So... I mean, like, the it, was the, yeah. I mean it was the team owner, like Jerry Reinsdorf? That's his name, right? If I got yeah, right. Reinsdorf, yeah. So Reinsdorf is the one who handpicked Kraus. Can Kraus also work with him on another sports team? I can't remember which one was. Even a different sport. It was a uh, Metzer. One of the socks. Something socks. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He and was a like scout. He... By the way, um, yeah, Kraus was a scout, and uh, Reins. I think, in fact, in fact, he, it wasn't Reinsdorf who picked him. He told Reinsdorf he wanted a job. Oh really? I think hmm. so. I think it was that. It was the other way. Like I said, Kraus is the kind of guy that he knows he wants an omelette. He's gonna go get that omelette, you know, whatever way, like, whatever way. And it's just so that I mean, kind of guy. I think mean, this is where I want to take the conversation now because we already have we've laid down enough in about the greatest team of all time. Yes. But then we also need to look at the management, and it is the management. It is the people, the bean counters, and the HR people who sign the checks who eventually are pretty much the ones you answer to or the ones you try to piss off because mm. it's like, yo, I mean, as much as Jerry Krause to me, low-key probably had to do his job, but then I understood when he got a little, you can tell, like, you know, the way even with, like when Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen would just rail on him and make fun of his height and weight, and he's like, yo, you don't talk to your boss like that. Well, you the thing I mean? is, do you think Jordan viewed him as the boss or even Reinstar? Nah. I Jordan think, viewed the crowd as the as the boss. Yep. I mean the fans, the real fans, right? I think also he viewed his talent as the boss because if he's putting seats, if he, if his if his mm. ass is selling tickets, and I would say like, I know what you I know what you mean. Where is like basically is I I wouldn't call it disrespect. I wouldn't call it basically, uh, like you know you don't talk to your boss that way. But if your boss looks at you and sees like, yeah, we can't fire this guy because why would you be who would be stupid enough to let this guy go based off things right and I think maybe it was a factor but I don't think it was the only reason why they had to do the rebuild and the rebuild is probably the one premise that they set up very early in the documentary and it was probably the question every sports fan had especially Bulls fans is like why did you break up the team why did you let go of Phil Jackson why did you like and like even Michael Jordan would be like if Phil Jackson doesn't come back I'm not coming back and it's like you can't lose your star player after doing the double three-peat and, and, and your I coach your star coach by the way and your star coach and yeah and, and they also I would say it's not a biased narrative where they always mention that Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson were butting heads there was a lot of tension between the two of them because one was a business approach one was definitely a player and a, a more emotive approach but I think the documentary left it open-ended enough where people can, like, you know, from either side of the argument, nobody's right, nobody's wrong. 
But me personally, when I look at it, I think right, Jerry Cross did the right thing. Right. Because like for the, the logic franchise. was for the franchise. Because it's like we cannot keep putting money or investing in a roster of aging players. Yeah, and I think it wasn't just about aging players. This part is going to go a bit of business, and I think I know why they didn't put it in a documentary because it may come out as really boring and shit. But the yeah. truth is, in the NBA, there are rules about salary caps, and if you exceed a certain amount of salary that you pay out in wages, you're going to need to pay a tax on it. Okay, it's a very hefty amount. It's like one point seven five or something of whatever you paid in All excess. The yeah, you pay 175% or something like that. That's almost twice. Ooh. Almost, almost. And and by the way, again, my number could be wrong, but I'm just saying I know that there's such a salary tax. And so this mm. is really costly. So, um, and, and and so a lot of teams, they are going to... And, and also you need to understand the next part about contracts is that every year that you stay with the team, because of your loyalty, your contract increases in size. Yep. So a lot of players, right, they actually don't want to move teams even if the other team looks powerful to win because it means they're going to get a lower contract. So like, for example, when uh, LeBron moved to Miami, he mm. actually took a pay cut, just so you know. He gave up a bumper as contract with, to stay with the Cavs. He was the marquee player. He would have been paid the best and he would have had the best increment. It's just insane. And he chose not to do it. So in the same way, um, keeping a team together is actually more costly than rebuilding a team. So the question yep. then, of course, is at what point do you rebuild? You had two three-peats, right? What so they need to prove? You, and this is definitely not a team that could do a three-three-peat because like they were hitting you don't know. The thing you is, don't you know. don't know, right? I mean, let's say if you look at the older guy. Okay, first things first. If you saw Jordan playing for the Washington Wizards, he was still fucking dropping good numbers, you know. He's still Jordan, yeah. Yeah. So you had Jordan, right? Then... If, and then Pippen was still playing pretty well for another five seasons, by the way. Mm-hmm. So only Rodman was aging, really. But even mm-hmm. then, he went to the Lakers. He did all right. Not his best work, but all right. Ron Harper had another three-peat in him, by the way. Yeah, you're right. Huh? Ron Harper had a three-peat with LA. Don't forget that. And you had the best coach of all fucking time. Two three-peats, by the way. Modern era. Don't count Red Auerbach, okay? Mm. So let me ask you, who did you really have to let go? By the way, Kerr won championships with uh, Spurs. So, how could you say that they couldn't do another three? So, from from a, so now I'm speaking for this from the basketball standpoint. They could win three more. I really do think they could. They really, really could. I agree. Yeah. However, however, now comes the business side of me. How much would that cost? What does that cost? Because everyone gets more expensive. Every single year, it gets more expensive. Mm. right and so and the only guy who would take the pay cut would be Scotty Scotty would say I'll do it for the team right okay fine we know I he'll don't think he at that point of time <laughs> okay, he would have learned his lessons right take a, a pay cut no right maybe if Phil Jackson was promised to coming back maybe no, not, no. you don't think so no you don't think MJ so Jay will not take a pay cut but it, he already had so much money with Coca-Cola McDonald's it's not that it's that he wants to have the most you need to so, he's alpha, alpha dog Look, he his. takes money from security guards come on <laughs> True that. There's no, footage. It's, it's There's, not about check the money. Tapes. It's 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 the it's the positioning, right? It's he wants to just be top dog, because it's that inner need yeah. to dominate. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like even even when Kobe was you know near him and saying you know I would like to carry the mantle, and you could see the way he was doing it. It's I'm not going to give you the crown. You got to pry it from my head. He did. Kobe put in the work, right? Yeah, you you, yeah. you got to realize that that Jordan was 
it wasn't that he didn't respect Kobe or what, it's that he said, look, I had to pry this away from Bird and Magic. You're going to have to pry it from me. That's all. You put in the work, you'll be the next one. That was a true handing of the torch. I would yeah, handing? Like- it's more of the grabbing, right? If you, you know... <laughs> I mean, like Magic Johnson handed the torch to Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan le- he held it up there and he's yeah. like, "Come get it." Yeah, and, whoever, and deservedly, whoever, by the way, you can't say yeah. that that people took it easy on Jordan. Hell no. No man, yo, the the, the 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 shit that they had to pull off back then. And Jordan rules, remember that. So Jordan rules. There's no Pistons, freebies Jordan for MJ rules. here, right? No, nah, they yeah. knocked him. He they convinced him to go to the gym to bulk up. Yeah. Just so that he could put up more of a front. And, and you know like, who did the same move, by the way, like uh, 10 years later? What? Kobe. Kobe yeah, in 0506 a- came back a different animal, my friend. That's mm. how the Black Mamba shit started. He yeah, came he, back muscle. He, uh, he was shredded, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. He was the skinny kid who could just like dance. And then after that, he became like a true forward. Like, yeah. Ooh. Because before that, he could, he, could sh- he could pass, he could shoot, right? He could drive. Yeah, yeah. He couldn't play low post. Once depends <laughs> on uh, his mood. Uh. He can, but he's not consistent. Not I wouldn't say skinny he's skinny as. Then he puts yeah, on yeah, yeah, yeah. the pounds. He plays yeah. the low post. You send a double team on him. He will pick out the open man, and you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I think once he got big, his center of gravity got lower. That he could turn different. Uh. Yeah. So <laughs> once he that. once he had low post, three point shooting and a drive, and a pass, he became yeah. unguardable. At that point, for I think three seasons or four seasons, he was unguardable, impossible. Mm. And the thing is that like, you have a strong offense like him, and then you at, at the back end you got Shaq Lee, like Shaq yeah, O'Neal, yeah, yeah, you got that Brocky. crazy guy. So, like, <laughs> so, so, yeah. but then of course you know back to the Bulls, right? Obviously, so I do think that when you look at at the 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 way that the team was with the leadership, the camaraderie. The trust you mentioned trust again as you grow older you don't have physicality as much but you have good positioning sense and trust and where triangle is not a very physical style it's a very open fluid style it's a fluid positioning based style the only and it was unusual thing is phil jackson needs yeah, yeah. big guts he's always needed big guts he cannot take small guts you think yes like yes his guts are always big for guts he doesn't like five eight guts he likes six foot one six foot two this kind of gut you go and look, all the guts, big, four guts. Mm. And the you know what will kill his triangle every time? Small guts. Not necessarily. Aaron Brooks. Yeah, I was I a, every time. He has a really hard time. So if he's big, if he's big is available, from, yeah. then okay. If his big is not available, he's done. He cannot small gut. Huh? Once he gets a small gut coming after him, wow, well, his big guts cannot cope. Yeah, Iverson versus Shaq was definitely a highlight of like the, the mid period. Correct. When both are fit, he will win. Obviously, Shaq has got the pain, right? But, mm. but when you don't have Shaq Fu around, <laughs> shout out to the, the shitty sixteen bit game, sir. Yeah, Shaq yeah, Fu. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So yes, uh, I do think that the team could have won. But again, you when you take in the context of organization, how much would that cost? The cost. Mm. The cost becomes so prohibitive that you just wonder, why not I save the money? And rebuild. Rebuild. And invest on the next generation. Yeah, go for the next. Maybe maybe you can't win for the first five, six years. But when it's good enough again, then you start winning. So the next great hope was what? Derek Rose? It didn't work out, but yeah. Yeah. 
Rose I mean, got injured. You can't. Yeah, you, that's the thing. You know, sometimes it's just uh, fate. Sometimes it's just destiny. Like, yeah, it's not fated. Uh. And I think maybe that's the one thing we need to tell a lot of people out there is like nobody is perfection forever. Even MJ can't hit the hoops. Maybe he can. Maybe MJ still got it. But it's like if if you were to push like Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan for another three years, another five years, you know, to get really like they there will come a time they you need to put them out to pasture because. Like the more time they spend on the court, the more time they're gonna be liable to injuries that are not healable, things that could be you know permanent, you know. And it's just like I think I prefer the fact that to me it wasn't so much that Jerry Krause made the mistake of disbanding one of the greatest teams of all time. He proved the point, and he allowed them to go off on top. Yeah, it's like we can always look back at that era and think to ourselves, it's like yeah. You, that was the most untouchable team all time. They were they were the juggernaut that was unstoppable. That would crush everything before them, and it would be a disservice to the Bulls to just run that horse into the ground and watch them become the pale versions of themselves. And, and we kind of saw that with LA, by the way, with Kobe yeah. at thirty eight years old, and yeah, they were aging out, and it's like you felt sad or bad for them, and it's like nothing hurts the legacy more yeah. than seeing you being a shadow of your former self. Yeah, And you can't say Good. bad shit about them because of what they did for the city, right? So, Bingo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So, I mean, like, it made sense because, like, even for me, when it comes to the money, it's like, yo, we made so much of the franchise and the dynasty and the empire. And as much as the documentary tries to, like, lay down the narrative that, oh, like, oh, maybe Jerry Cross made a mistake because this was the greatest team of all time. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, but you're running a business. These guys are not going to be around forever. If we're not investing in the future now, and then like the, the the thing is like you watch them go past their prime, and then you have to scramble to find other people, and then it's like you also have to re- remember that throughout the entire documentary, they established that these guys had a kind of synergy that was built from the ground up. You cannot add any extra components to that. You can't have a young guy come in and be like, okay, a part of this new lineup, or mm. you, you be part of that lineup. It's like. Not, that doesn't make sense because then it's like years it's another layer of investment and another layer of time that you just can't afford to, to maintain the momentum and as much as it's like it's very easy to say that when you look back at the the, the Bulls then and the Bulls now it's like oh it's it's all Jerry's fault like he never kept the team together it's like no he's he's making sure that that building still runs yeah I, I, I think that uh, Jerry Krause made a choice that is the right business choice and he had the misfortune in a way of having the greatest player of all time in the greatest team of all time that was trying very hard to prove him wrong mm. and and you know there's a saying among gamers right you can't teach a winner no you can't I teach a you winner you, you see so yeah. so Kraus did what he was always going to do I, and he always did in the past. That's where I, I was, you know, I started this little spiel from, right? And yeah. I think that he he ended doing what he was always doing and paid to do. And uh, even if you gave him like 10 more chances, he'd do it again. I'm pretty sure he dismantled the team because he knew that how can you just keep paying an inflated contract over and over again? And there's another part that I just realized is, you know that you're going to have a generation gap when the new guy comes in? Bingo. A very big gap? Yep, yep, yep. And this yeah, is not to be underestimated, you know, in teams when you suddenly have this division between the old guys and the new guys, you have this very obvious big gap. Mm. You're going to have a Kobe and Howard kind of 
you know Dwight Howard kind of like risk, you see you that know? a lot in like in the English Premier League you know that when you see like something like a Dennis Burke camp he's 40 yeah, yeah. and now he, he's you see him try to struggle to catch up with the 20 year old guys that's right and and, and yeah. the jokes the references the dressing room it yeah. becomes a very divided experience and no coach can coach that that's the problem So you see, when Phil moved to LA, he had a new core group, and you see the age group is around that same generation of or age group. You know, you don't have yeah. the very old vets, and you know? he let them go and things like that. Yeah, um, you had your time. That's right, you had your time because the truth is, you want to build a team. So a team means that they got to get along on the whole, right? Very holistically, and then a Zen master like Phil, he ain't going to have one where you have the old guy and young guy kind of camp. He's not going to do that. Mm. Yeah, I think definitely. I agree with you there. It's it was the right business decision, but it's very easy to paint it as something that was personal or something that was emotional, which the documentary kind of does. And I, I I understand because it it sells a bit of drama, which makes it interesting, and it definitely kept you on the edge of your seat. Like you mm-hmm. definitely were watching that thing. So, so why did Jerry Cross did it? And then when they presented to you, the, here's the facts. This is the numbers. It's like. Oh okay yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't be mad at the guy. No, there's it's... no reason to be mad. It's just more of I guess the romantic side of us kind of wish he kept the team together, right? Yeah. What if I think that's the thing. The what like, if, all the right? Fans, what if they was they they could they do another? Could they be the first team in history to do a triple three P? What would you call that? The nine. Triple uh, triple. Man, the triple triple. Ooh, I love that. You triple, like that? Ripple. Yeah, uh, do ripple, it triple, triple. triple. Yeah. Triple nipple. Anyway, so let's end this podcast. Okay, I think we 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 need to end it on the one thing that yes, people want to know. So, is Michael Jordan the greatest of all time? Why isn't LeBron in <laughs> in the discussion? Well, we finally have the footage. There you go. And I think it's like when you talk to the young guys, when you talk to the millennials, and like to them, it's like of course LeBron, of course maybe slightly older guys like will be like Kobe. Because you have nothing but all these YouTube clips of all their highlights and shit, it's like you ask them like if you want to look, you know how hard it is for guys like us to find Larry Bird like mixtapes. Mm, tough, tough. There'll be like one or two, and there'll be like this bullshit VHS quality things are a little bit fuzzy. You're not so sure. They all. Kinda... I'm always looking for wilt footage, and it's so hard. Look, I'm looking for Julius Irving footage because yeah. he's like Dr. the inventor yeah. of the dunk and all yeah. that. I want to see. I want to see the footage, and it's like. Everybody says like, "Oh, you had to be there." Like, yes. you know, it was even televised. It was like you know on 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 tape delay also back in the day. Nothing mm. was live, you know. And sometimes the footage gets lost. And like there is a nice selection of Michael Jordan footage. You know, you can go to like NBA.com's YouTube channel. But the problem is like is most of that shit is just Skip Bayless and Charles Barkley arguing, <laughs> <laughs> which I enjoy. And it's a different rabbit hole. But you always see the highlights. You never see the game. It's yeah. very rare. And you know, I also want to say this. Thank you, coronavirus, and that's weird to say, but NBA is posting up throwback full Bulls games, and you yeah. can see that shit finally. And I think it's because of the Last Dance because they're creating all these new conversations. If you go onto like any basketball themed YouTube channel right now, everybody's talking about the Last Dance because NBA has been shut down due to the pandemic, and this is probably something that would like. I would say this right, young boys. All you like LeBron fans, right? Uh, if you don't want to believe the stats, or if you are so hard up about your boy, because you haven't seen the evidence, because it's like you have your footage, we finally have our footage, or us old guys, it's like 
LeBron will not stand a chance against the Detroit Pistons defensive line. I'm oh, sorry. No. I can I can tell you a lot. <laughs> I would say all the teams in the league are not going to cut it. And it's very simply, the big difference for me between LeBron and MJ right, yeah. is very simply, for me, the, the magic moment of the documentary is when Michael finally realizes I got to make a better team. I got to help my teammates. It's not just about yeah. me being the best player. Because before they had the mentality, I just be the best player and we're going to win. Just give me the rock and I'll do, I'll do the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but now he's like, I'm going to make all of them better, not just me. And the, the the thing that I felt is the big difference is this. Two things. One, MJ made his team better. LeBron, I don't necessarily see it. Sometimes he does. Most of the time, I'm not seeing that. Number two is this. Michael, throughout his career, was unguardable. Unguardable. Mm. Yeah. All right? LeBron can be guarded. And it has shown in several finals where people say LeBron's not having a good game. He's quiet. I actually don't agree with Skip Bayless. I agree with Mike, uh, you know, uh, Mark Cuban's uh, analysis, which is when the teams know what to do to play against LeBron, LeBron gets guarded and he is you, then ineffective. You can shut him down. You, you cannot shut down an MJ. MJ. You can shut down MJ. Come on. You know? <laughs> Nobody can shut down MJ. And everybody tried. And they did every possible method they could think of. Jordan None rules. of that shit worked. Yeah. You want to talk about Jordan rules where people were literally throwing elbows and pulling him down from dunks? They're not allowed they to were... do that no more, by the way. We got flagrant fouls now. Back in the day, yo, elbows was a part of the game, son. That's right. Like when you see Horace Gunn with the fisheye goggles, it's yeah. like, no, no, no. That's not just prescription. That's protection, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and all, all the hip tracks. The hip tracks were constant, you know? And then you yeah. got guys like, well, you know, people all, always assume that just because I'm I like LA and I'm a romantic for loss. Let me tell you this, Kareem with the fucking elbows, come on, I know that he's was doing real. That. He's yeah. with the the reason for the rules on the elbows are two guys, Kareem, Karl Malone. These two guys with the elbows. Right? No, especially Karl Malone. Karl Malone's a monster. Yo, the guy yeah. Was, uh, yeah. With the elbows, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can't so, he'll check you before you check him. That's right. And people like to say, oh, Ewing was a dirty little bastard. I'm like, no, no, no go see Malone. Go, go see Malone. You want go to see, see what tough is? Malone in the like the late seventies to early eighties, you yeah. know, with a full afro. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying, like, if you want, I mean, I'm not romantic. I mean, I'm I'm just fact driven, right? The truth mm. is, guys like that, they found an exploit. They found something in the game, and then they became unguardable. So Kareem, yep. skyhook, elbows, unguardable. You just can't stop him. He sticks his elbow, turns left, turns right, skyhook. You're done. You Dude, know? We also need to mention the fact, right? Like. Name another NBA player who was a good fight for Bruce Lee. Oh shit! No. <laughs> Damn, son. No, you mean what he means to the sport, right? Yeah, you know what I mean, like MJ. That and the fact, MJ. Like, and, and and also, it's. It, I think that's what I want to kind of harp on before we end this podcast. Is basically like. There's also a reason why us old heads don't like to watch current NBA. Uh. Because like we like to watch the numbers, we like to watch the stats, and once in a while there'll be some kid who comes along and is like, okay, he's 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 aim he's gunning for the throne. We see it. Like we see a Kobe, we see like a LeBron and we like we recognize real. We're like, okay, that's talent. That's good. But what annoys us is basically not the players, but no the the the, the sayers, the ones around who hyped them up way too much and built their confidence for no reason because it's like, what, what are you, what's your evidence? <laughs> well, for me, what but, pisses me off the most is that a stat, right, without understanding the context and the rules yo, that, yeah. that allow those stats to happen, now you're an idiot. 
you know because like let, let's say we, we we say oh you know this guy average whatever number of points and one day i make a rule that says i'm allowed to climb up a ladder and just shoot baskets and no one can pull me down from the ladder <laughs> then yeah of course i got the greatest of all time right that's bullshit you know i i think that you you got to realize that once they start the hip checking they stop the physicality in the league and i'm not saying that the new guys are shit don't get me wrong i'm just saying you They're cannot good. compare them anymore because mm. it's not even the same game i agree like now it rallies more on three points nobody cares about the the, the paint anymore it's yeah. like nobody goes for the two points when it's like safer more economical and more efficient if you can score threes for the majority of the game you you are definitely going to build more of a lead quicker faster and, and you don't take injuries remember that and, and you don't have to run up and down the court as much you know you yeah. don't tire out as much and yeah. it's, it's become a shooter's game and yeah so basketball has moved from a man on man sport to now a man versus hoop sport because yeah. no one's going to block the shot because to them it's like you know what take the shot i'm going to save my energy you know why because i'm going to go up the court after this and then i'm going to use my energy to make my shot and then you yeah. make your shot and then we'll see who fucks up first and then we'll know who's the guy but mm. can, can you imagine this, this is like what you're going to play what free throw shooting against mj and then if you beat him in free throws you're the best player of all time are you shitting me no nah, man that's bullshit you know as bullshit so to me it's like it's not even a, a contest i'm not saying the new guys are no good you go you go look at guys like westbrook you look at guys like harden they're putting in a shift man they're really fucking playing you know they're the best in their league at this point of time when you compare to the players of their generation and that makes total perfect sense yes you know and the thing is like it it if it's it's fine if you want to say he's the greatest player like the greatest player of this generation because Absolutely. like what you said context yes and then it's like but again like I don't want to shut down anybody I don't want to say it's the pussification of the NBA but it's like if you were to take a LeBron James and you put him like say not even the like the 90s Bulls but put him up against like the 80s Pacers or like the 80s Trailblazers where they were real rough it's like yeah you, you get learned very soon you get learned immediately son I think like, the closest player that LeBron is to is Magic not MJ True that. I feel yeah, he's yeah. more a magic. I don't think he's a bad player. Again, I think he could fit in any team in any era. I mean, he's phenomenal. I agree. Like, like for what he what he does now, it totally makes sense. Like, but you wouldn't say Magic's the goat. I so wouldn't. You, so you wouldn't w- say LeBron's the goat. You, you see, that's where I'm going with it. Because yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. When you when it comes to that just that pure comparison, like he's he's good. But is he greatest of all time? Like even Magic will like nah, Ma- nah Michael. No, nah. Magic. Magic <laughs> is humble enough to know that. Yeah. Magic would be like no, the next guy, this guy. That's and then like I fucking love the quote from Larry Bird was basically uh, that's not a, a a guy playing basketball. That's God dressed up as Michael Jordan playing basketball. <laughs> it's like when Larry Bird says that, yo, like yeah, and Larry Bird's my guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Larry you, Bird, have you seen the trash talk videos that people talk about all the shit that he says? Larry Bird, yeah, he's the he's one of the kings, right? Oh, he he's will the talk, cha- he's He the talks champ. that shit, right? Yeah, no, but he he puts up. He doesn't shut up. Look, Larry Bird to me, like okay, when you mention like greatest of all time, you put Russell, Will Chamberlain, and Jordan, right? For me, the next tier at the top is Larry Bird. Of Larry goddamn motherfucking Bird, because yo, the guy, only guy in history to uh, score off his own rebound. Yeah, <laughs> like. You, he walks into the all-star weekend dressing room, yeah. looks around, and everyone's like, what are you looking for? And he goes, I'm just looking at who's going to be number two today. Boom. Son. Holy, sh- like, what? <laughs> that level of confidence. Yo, and the thing is, right, 
you can slap the man down and he gets back up because he is the legend with a broken eye socket and a hole in his like a fracture in his cheek and he still won the game like yeah. Larry Bird like what the legend of that one game where he's like you know what I'm just gonna win this left handed now and he scored 27 points off his other hand he's like and okay I will say one one more thing Larry Bird he is the god pass oh yeah oh yeah he'll find like, his guy it's just the way he and he doesn't like he doesn't rocket it towards you he can he can. he can. He can get it to you. He can get it into another player's hands, but it's just the way he his his light touch, the way he flicks it in, you know. It's like and the way he intercepts and passes to the perfect guy at the same time. It's like he is, the he is like this basketball genius, and it's like even old school like NBA guys was like, yeah, Larry, Larry Bird was real. He oh. he wasn't athletic. He couldn't run. He okay. couldn't jump. But he doesn't like, look like a basketball player. Let's start, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, Larry Bird is Xavi Hernandez from Barcelona. Yo, <laughs> they don't I look. See, I see it. <laughs> they don't. I see the reference. They don't look the part. Okay. And th- and that's when you but, make your first mistake. You. <laughs> once the ref blows the whistle to and start work. the game, uh, you're done. You're done. You're not getting because the ball. No, no. Tell me, how are you gonna get a turnover on Larry Bird? You try. You don't. And you're not getting the ball of Xavi, by the way. Yeah. You ain't I getting the ball. Like I think that's that, that I think that's also probably the one extra thing that we like when you look at them and you like you you immediately underestimate them and that's your first mistake. Oh, that's your mistake. Yeah, yeah. Like you think this guy can't possibly and then he he slams at you. So you like, know you know Larry, but in fact, I, if I'm not mistaken, right? Do you know? I think it was it was Reggie Miller again. Reggie Miller has a habit of just picking these fights. You know, he was a, he's a piece of shit back in the day. Come yeah. on, the documentary showed it. It it was his rookie year and he's trying to talk shit to Larry. Bird, right? <laughs> you heard you about don't. this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the story. At the free throw line, Larry Bird goes, looks at him and says, I'm the best player in the league. You understand? In the league. And he makes the free throw, not even looking at the hoop. He looks and, at him. Yeah, and looks at him and he says, shut your fucking mouth, Rook. And then he shoots the second one and just runs off and the ball goes in. Like, what? <laughs> what? And like the, the opposite side is like Magic Johnson would do the same thing but smile at you. He would that's talk right. shit. That's right. That's <laughs> he was right. Mr. Hollywood. So I think that's, that's the thing. It's like it's not just us old heads looking back at the past and having nostalgia glasses and thinking like it was a different game back then. And I think if anything, I hope this documentary gets all the new kids, all the young guys. It's like, okay, look for the footage, find the tapes because it was hard for us. Like we were there, we saw it, we saw it happen on TV, we saw it, it's fresh in our memories. And I think it's very hard to make the statement against whatever these kids are saying because it's like their footage is whatever they have on YouTube, whatever is going on because everything is just archived and like digitized so quickly now. Look for the classics. Look for the legends. Look for the people that your heroes... Look for your heroes' heroes. And you just see what a different game it was back in the day. And if anything, it was... Essentially, it was like a great throwback for us. I mean, like I remember when I recommended you to watch the documentary, and, and you were like, "Okay, I'll give it a shot." Of course. And then you, you were like messaging me straight away, like, "Yo, the Phil Jackson episode." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I just hope that you know the new guys when they watch it, they don't feel like it's just about the old fogies saying about how their game's no good and the old games are better. We're not saying no, that. Actually, what I, I I really hope the message that the younger listeners get out of this and the people who eventually watch it is that. I hope you feel the same passion and love for basketball that we felt. I hope you understand where we are coming from and why we love this sport so much. Yep. And and We're- hopefully some of those elements will play out again in the future because, I mean, it's a beautiful game. 
right? And yeah. and hopefully that you know when you see this last dance, you you too can feel the way we feel. Like your team will have their last dance too, and it's yeah. like I would say this also. You young guys, you're going to be the old fogies for the next generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So don't <laughs> so, be a grouch. <laughs> like, yo, we're grouchy now. You're going to be grouchy too, son. Okay? <laughs> when some other guy comes out of nowhere and like, like, he's the one claiming LeBron's throne. Dude, nobody holds the throne forever. You know what? Let's wrap this up. This has been a fun little exercise going down memory lane. Back to the 90s. Talking about basketball. Oh man, with the baggy jeans and the Timberlands, was that was that the look for you back then? I mean, oh, yeah. you were in LA. And, and that the, was the look, no, right? Well, no, no, no. I, I wasn't. The, I mean, the, the the Bulls era and all that. I was still in Singapore. I went to LA much later, like oh oh seven. Yeah, so oh seven was still kind of baggy jeans. So. Timberlands yeah. was still popular. Timberlands were still in, and the girls were all about the Uggs, you know. Oh God, <laughs> you remember that? I remember. No, that shit is still hot in Australia for some reason. Those Eskimo God. boots, right? Yeah, yeah. Why is that a yeah. thing? You know, that shit smells, especially when the bitch comes over and it's like, yo, take your shoes off and leave it outside. Okay, yeah. Asian rules. Yeah, yeah. You know, but okay. you, sometimes, Sweet you things. know, you're kind of desperate. You're a horny college guy. You just need to get what you gotta get, you know, and you just deal with it, right? Uh, okay, I'll put up with it. <laughs> anyway, so, okay, this has been, what did I call myself? The Mighty Shafik. Oh, coming in from the back lane and passing it too. Ruben the Brown Mamba. <laughs> Props to Kobe. I just want to say rest in peace, man. Rest in peace. Okay. The legend. The and legend. Thank you. Thank you. And good night. Good night.